Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. However you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who doesn't even use the word best. In fact, he only buys his games at buy. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I like that. That was good. Hi. Uh, also, listeners, I'm off the social media until February 2018, but I'm still available to you should you want to email me. Christian.spicer at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch. So feedbacks, comments, criticisms, send me an email. So here we are, Christian. We are at uh, the end of 2017. And as is our tradition, we are doing our games of the year. We're going to do top five lists uh, as we do every year. But you famously, of course, do not like the term game of the year. You do not like calling something the best. You prefer favorite. Is that right? You can have a best. But what we talk about, we are talking about our favorites. We are not talking about the best. So, yes. Right. So we should say that right up front, we're talking about favorites and not best. And I think in 2017, even more than most years, that's going to be true because 2017 is such a big year for games. But, you know, Christian and I can't give you our best years, years, best games We've given of you the our year. best years, dear audience. We, we have given already you given you our best years. years. <laughs> we can't give you our best years, but we have. We're tired and sad. <laughs> it's uh, Friday night, by do- the way, guys. It's, it's listening it on the is. RSS. It is Friday night. Jeff and I are doing this. We have a great guest that's also volunteering his Friday night. I know that's what you're leading to, but... I was about to introduce him. But yes, we are recording this early because um, our regular release day is Christmas Day. And Christian and I both have families as... I'm sure a lot of you do, but uh, I mean, everybody has a family. I get, I don't know. I'm, uh, it's not working out well tonight for me with the words. Anyway, uh, we're recording this early is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, and we have a great guest who has given up his Friday night to be with us. And he was, he's our traditional game of the year episode, favorite game of the year episode guest. 
Anthony Taormina, one of our favorite guests. Welcome back to the show, sir. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I love this time of the year. I, yeah. I'm one of those people that loves – I love reading people's lists. I love making my own lists. It's uh, it's a great time. I don't know. It's, it's just a fun time to like get people's recommendations. It's, I don't know. I like it. You so might I'm happy say to be here. That Anthony is a dude who likes coming on this show. There you go. Yep. That's sure. pretty good. Sure. Uh, DLC this week, of course, you know, DLC always stands for downloadable Kanan Daniel Christian. But this week, DLC is going to stand for uh, determining our lists of champions because that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a top five. Anybody can do a top ten. It's easy to do a top ten. Even though this year, yeah. that's hard to, but yes. It's hard to do a top ten in 2017. But you know what is even harder, Christian? Top five. And that's what we do here at DLC because we do not back down from the challenge we will step up to the plate and give you our top fives which i'm sure will infuriate everyone for different reasons but that's okay you can have three different perspectives and then and then folks as is tradition on the show we're going to do another five games which is not our six through ten it is instead games that we think deserve another look at the end of the year, but we think you're probably not going to hear about on most people's games of the year list. It's games that are sort of diamonds in the rough or dark horses or pet games of ours that we would like to see mentioned again before we turn the page into 2018. And I love the fact that we do that because I think these games are really even more fun than talking about what everybody else is talking about, the sort of big you know, games that come up at the end of the year. Uh, these games, I think, are games that deserve more love, and that's what we're going to give them here on DLC uh, in our in our favorite game of the year episode. But also, uh, the great thing about this episode is we get to use what I think is my favorite bumper. It comes from Sean Madigan, and you're going to hear it several times in this episode because it's the only episode of the year I get to play it, and I love it. Sean Madigan's DLC Game of the Year bumper. It's my favorite part at the end, based on an incomplete sample, which is very factual, very important to note because we have not played every single game that came out this year. I don't think any human can. So you will get our favorites, the games that spoke to us, the games that we played, and uh, we will get to that. But first, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about 2017 as a year. It's winding down, and what a year it was. Uh, we always start our show with story of the week. Uh, this episode, we're going to start with story of the year. I don't, I don't have a, a jingle for that, so I guess I'm just going to have to do it. <laughs> story of the year. It's the story of the year. Story of the year. It's the story of the year. Whoop, whoop. Here we go. So story of the year. What do you guys, uh, Anthony, yep. let's start with you. What do you think is the story of 2017? What was the biggest story that sums up? Uh, video games this year for you oh man that last i had one and then well i would say that the the story that uh happened this year or kind of like the conversation that happened this year that i think we are going to look back on as being the most significant is the whole loot box 
microtransaction thing. Um, yes, yes. That is certainly a story that has happened throughout the year. It certainly heated up toward the end here yes. uh, with all of the fervor around uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. But it really was all throughout 2017. There were games coming out constantly with loot boxes. And uh, I think we're going to see that story continue into 2018 because now legislators are getting involved. And we just saw this week Apple has changed its terms of service for or its guidelines, I should say, for developers and put in uh, a new requirement. I don't know if they're going to require it. It certainly seems like a requirement in the guidelines to have app developers disclose your odds of getting a loot box if you have in-app purchases for for any kind of randomized piece of digital goods. It's pretty crazy. So give me a give me your, you know, your two cents on loot boxes and what it means for this year in gaming and what you think it's going to mean going forward. Well, I, I think that the the big story to ha, ha, or like the big development with all of this is that for, for a while, I feel like developers and publishers, the big ones at least felt that they were kind of bulletproof, you know, that they could uh, do whatever they really wanted to as far as uh, monetizing a game and introducing different things. And I think the conversation developing uh, around that type of stuff and the strength that, uh, you know, a strong community can have as far as like enacting change it is going to lead to more of this feeling of developers and publishers understanding that like these are your consumers and your consumers should dictate your approach to your product because you know in the past call of duty is like you know safe everybody says oh i don't like call of duty this year and then it's still the you know the best selling game of the year uh and while that is true of this year but i think that EA went in into Star Wars uh, Battlefront 2 saying like look it's Star Wars it's Battlefront we're going to we're going to do whatever we want you know we're going to introduce these these kind of schemey uh, uh microtransaction systems and it's going to be fine because it's Star Wars and the gaming community as a whole said not so fast not anymore um so i think that you're going to see a lot more developers and publishers being wary of the fact that like gamers as a whole can actually enact some change now because i feel like that's happening with a bunch of different games it's happening with destiny right now you know the community is is turning against bungie and activision because of the hubris of thinking like well we could just keep pushing pushing the envelope of microtransactions and right now if you go to the bungie.net forums you have to go 20 pages deep uh until you get a post that is not titled remove eververse (laughs) <laughs> so, right yeah i i feel like that this this loot box stuff is is really like actually finally like gonna make some changes and i'm glad to see it yeah christian i'm sure you agree that loot boxes was a was a major story in 2017 yeah it was huge i'm curious to see how how long the ramifications last i i want to agree with what anthony's saying and and, and i hope he's right but i think oftentimes what you see in, in instances like this is that someone goes way past the line and then everybody reacts. And then the next company comes out past the original line that we thought was acceptable, but still not as far as battlefront two went. Right. And everybody's like, well, it's not as bad as battlefront. And, and like, there's, there's this slow acceptance. Like 
standards change over time. What's uh, what you're allowed to say to people, words you're allowed to use, you know, whatever. And other examples outside of gaming, you see how society changes or starts to tolerate something that it used to not tolerate. And I'm curious to see how, as gaming continues in this loot box stuff, um, and evolution of microtransactions continues, what we end up tolerating or the flip side of that coin is what does it evolve to? Because I feel like what this is, is this is now the cousin or adopted, you know, child or whatever, right? Once removed cousin of Project $10 or, you know, even DLC or Horse Armor. There's there's constantly been this way to further monetize a release. And if it's not some version of this, I'm curious what that evolves into next year and whether or not we tolerate it. What, what do you think? Well, I'm very curious as to how regulation may enter into all of this, whether it's legal regulation, as we're seeing with some of the international uh, territories kind of looking at this as a way of enticing kids into gambling and kind of stepping into it that way. And and even Hawaii here in the United States uh, has has state lawmakers who say that they are going to try to put some sort of regulations on this in Hawaii. So I think there's that that may start encroaching on developers ability to do whatever they want in this area. But I think more interesting is this development with um, Apple and these, these platform holders that may not want to be associated with this kind of thing, or at least want to limit their liability on, on if this all does come to a head, (laughs) you know, that's the issue, right? It's like, do you want to be associated with it? I don't know. It makes us money. Oh, whoa, whoa, there's a liability. Whoa, let's pump the brakes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the question, right? Are, is Steam going to step up to the plate? Or, I think when when you get something the size of, of those things, like an Apple, uh, a Valve, these kinds of places that are required for these developers to make money, uh, are they going to start saying, well, we don't want our – you know, we saw what Valve did with regard to CSGO gambling and the, its sort of tepid response at first and then sort of – you know, doing something a little stronger and making a bigger statement about whether or not they want to be associated with gambling, but still they didn't put their foot down, foot down, you know? So I don't think we're, we're going to see this stuff go away, but I, I happen to like the idea of requiring a disclosure of what your odds are, but I suspect that there'll be lots of loopholes. There'll be ways to just bury that into game menus. Like, yeah, it's in the game. You have to go searching for it, but it's in the game. Yeah. We, we tell you what the odds are or, like, for example, what Hearthstone did, what Blizzard did with Hearthstone in uh, in China, because China has strict rules already with regard to this stuff. Blizzard just said, well, we'll sell you a different thing. We won't sell you randomized card packs. We'll sell you Arcane Dust, which is our space bucks. And you buy that and you can craft cards out of it. So you're just buying our currency in game. It's not random. It's There's no random. Oh, by the way, if you buy enough Arcane Dust, we gift you a free card back pack. So we'll give you random cards uh, if you buy enough of this other things. It's just a free gift we're including along with it. Nobody's buying arcade dust just for the card packs. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So, I mean, there's lots of loopholes around that kind of thing. So I don't think this is over by any means, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out over the course of the next year or so. Yeah, I agree. So, Christian, what would you consider to be your story of 2017? Uh, for me, it's Nintendo, Nintendo Switch, and the SNES Classic, and uh, I think I might have said that I didn't expect the Switch to do as well as it's doing, um, and th- look at the games that they came out. It launched in March, and you got Mario, Zelda, ARMS, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, um, Splatoon 2, 
arguably i'm sure it's some gamers top five games of the year like those are them right uh incredible quality incredible new direction on storied franchises with zelda and mario incredible new ips and a bold new direction from some of this young talent at nintendo you know flexing their muscle with things like arms and splatoon 2 again and showing this new direction indie games selling like gangbusters on the switch like it's dominated the conversation since it's come out and it I think we're all kind of cautious about 2018 for Nintendo because we're like, well, they can't keep this up just because we keep expecting Nintendo to Nintendo. But I mean, at this point, I'm ready to eat crow and, you know, put my foot in my mouth and pull my foot out of my mouth, whatever the right way of it is. Hard to eat crow when your foot's in there. Right, whatever crows and feet do. Um, yeah. At this crow's point, feet. Oh, that's not good. You got to get an ointment for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, well, it's because I smile too much. So they're by my eyes. It just means I'm happy. I am... I'm I'm excited for 2018 for the Switch. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to come out with. I, I have no idea. But if the last five months or whatever of 2017 are any, any indication, the Switch is going to go down as my favorite console ever. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point. At, the fact that a Nintendo console came out in a calendar year already makes it a big story. But I think the Switch even is a bigger story than just that because of, A, how popular a console it is. But also it really does feel like a new thing. It feels like this revelation of finally this, this dream that we've all had of a thing that is both a home console and a portable console all at once. I mean, we've been wanting that for a long time, ever since the game boy advance or game boy came out, right? It was like, what what if I could play the games over here on that though? Uh, And they really have pulled it off and it feels the games feel really uh, like console games. They don't feel like mobile games, and yet you can play them on the go. I think that coupled with how popular it is and how much support it seems to be getting, they seem to be hitting all the right notes with Switch. And I do I do think – I mean we were having this conversation just the other day, I think you and I, Christian, the, the idea of what does the next generation of consoles look like? Like you can't – as Nintendo now, post-Switch, you can't – not have a portable console you can't go back now you know it's well they can i mean they could i wouldn't be surprised if in 2019 they just do cards again (laughs) you can't predict nintendo as much as i try i feel like the next console is the virtual boy 2 and they're just like i don't know and we're just like what the heck nintendo i think it's going to be switch u and then no no (laughs) anthony you uh you on this bandwagon for switch being one of the most important stories of 2017 absolutely uh i i love my switch i think that switch yeah it's 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 what i wanted like when they introduced the vita you know it's it's what i wanted when they introduced that i it is it feels like this i'm playing a console game on the go and it has the added bonus of if I don't want to play it on the go, I can hook it up to my TV and play it. And it's not, I don't feel like I'm getting any lesser of an experience or dramatically lesser of an experience on either one, you know, taking it on the go. Yeah. The joy cons aren't the best compared to the pro controller, but the games still look nice. They run, they run fine. And I, yeah, I just, it's the type of thing where every new game that's announced, you want there to be a switch version because that (laughs) would be like, okay, I could in my busy day, I could get more of this game, you know, played. Yeah. I think that's the key point, right? Is not only is it a great console, not only does it have amazing first party Nintendo software, those two things were, I think 
Givens, the thing that is so crazy is it's my preferred console to uh, for yeah. a lot of these third party games. It's God, I wish there was a version on the Switch instead of oh yeah, there's also a version on the Switch. You know, it is uh, of the three. I would I, I oftentimes would give up some visual fidelity to be able to just play it on the go. And that's a huge, I think a huge win for just this concept. I don't know if the one thing I would take away from the switch though, is I don't know if their complete vision for the console being this crazy, you know, the switch concept, which is, it's not just switch between two things. It's switch between like 14 different things. (laughs) Their idea of it being this weird chameleon that lets you play it in a variety of different you know, formats and, and setups. Uh, I don't think that has really taken hold and proven to be interesting enough, No, but it, it, it like it, that kind of doesn't even matter because the two versions, the console big TV version and the on the go version work so well. Yeah. I feel like they, that was kind of their main vision, right. For it. But then I also think that I, I love the switch. I love almost every Nintendo game, but sometimes I do feel like their successes are happy accidents, um, which is maybe me just being <laughs> ignorant. But like, I feel like when they came with the switch, like I oh, got this great idea. You can take it with you and play it on the screen. And then they were just like, Oh crap, we got to throw everything else in there. I remember like the reveal trailer or whatever. And they, they spent like 20 minutes on the controller. They're like, it has four buttons. It has <laughs> dual yeah. analogs. And they were like, and you can dock it and you can play it in handheld. If if you want, you can, you can throw it at somebody. Look, it's a football. Um, if you don't want to do that, put your drink on it. It's a coaster. Uh, you, yeah, can, you can do anything. Right. And it felt like, obviously, those are dumb examples, but they were like in motion control and this and sideways and this. And you can do this and you can play it on. And they're just kind of like, buy it, please. And we did, but not for those reasons. We bought it for the simple reason of Zelda in my hand, Zelda on my TV, Zelda on the toilet. Zelda on the train, right? And well, that brings up the big question. And of course, next week's episode will be our look forward into 2018. But I think it's worth bringing up now this idea of what can the Switch had such a Titanic 2017, maybe the biggest first year of a console. Wait, ever. that's not a good. That's not a good thing, right? A Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was a like Titanic the, 2018. <laughs> I mean, you know, Titanic. We're talking about the movie. You know, second highest grossing movie of all time. There you go. Okay, oh, great. Good. Titanic. Yeah, so it had like Titanic a, of a year. It had like an Avatar 2017. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, it had like a Hindenburg 2017. It was like the greatest, biggest Zeppelin of all time. Um, no, but what? How do they follow that up in 2018? What? What bullets can they have left in the chamber? They, they've fired them all. I mean, we know that there's a a Metroid in the works, but I would be shocked if it comes out next year. Smash, so, Mario Smash. Maker. Yeah, those are ports, right? Those are ports. I feel like yeah. they just let people, you know, that couldn't get it this year, get it next year and play those games. And just kind of float. <laughs> I, I would not, not a bad plan if they float through next year. Like, they, yeah, they do. They front loaded so heavily that you can't blame them. You know, I mean, Mike, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but like Microsoft launched a new console or quote unquote new console this year with without anything, really to be a selling point. So, you know, the fact that they front loaded it and got the console out and it did well, I think they, they deserve at least one year of, if they don't put out anything major, nobody freaking out. I think you're right, Christian. I think we're going to see a smash brothers, but I do think it'll be mostly the smash brothers for Wii U. And, you know, I guess that's fine, but But it's a, I mean, you can't expect any studio to create 
the amount of hits that we're expecting from Nintendo, right? It's a danged if they do, danged if they don't. Or it's like three. <laughs> no, well, this year I, I listed five, and it right. came out in March. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty incredible. And two of them were maybe Splatoon two is kind of a port or whatever, but like that's still pretty dang incredible, especially when you consider the size of those games and the quality and the polish in them. But like the complaint years past have always been. The net never launches with good software. There's never anything good within the first few months. And then we get that. And now we're like, yeah, but the next 24 months are going to suck. It's like, come on. Right. Come well, on. That's not what I said. But yes, no, I understand. Your I'm point. being me. Yeah. The broader internet, not you. You said, I hate the Switch. Zelda's the worst game of the year. I hate Nintendo. Here's my Microsoft tattoo. I think we all, I was, I was so pleasantly surprised by the Switch and it exceeded all expectations. Really. It really is. It, it's a delight to play on. It is a, a, the console. Like if any indie game comes out, I'm like, I just want it to be on switch now. Yeah. It's yeah. What's your, and it's, it's oh, great sorry. that we are getting those indie games on it. It's amazing. Yeah. What's your, what's your story? What's the big thing that's captivated you other than uh heroes of the storm is still a game. That's my story is that heroes of the storm. Uh, no, it's not. Um, of course, loot boxes in the switch are certainly worthy contenders i'm gonna go with battle royale as a mode because yeah i feel like it's not every year that you get a new genre introduced into gaming i mean it's it's i guess dark souls was the last new sort of genre defining game that we had uh or maybe i guess maybe you could even say rocket league last year kind of could could fit that bill but my goodness battle royale PUBG or H1Z1, whichever game you credit as being the true genesis of this mode, it certainly is clear that PUBG popularized it beyond anybody's expectations and has sold wildly. And now I bought it twice. (laughs) You bought it twice. Yeah. Uh, Now we're seeing battle royale modes in everything. I mean, we got Fortnite with a battle royale mode. I guess Counter-Strike now has a battle royale mode. It's coming. If it's not, it's soon, you know. That is wild. And and I think despite the uh, the protestations of Brendan Green himself, player unknown himself, this is something that's going to be, I think, a standard in first-person, third-person shooters now. I think it, you will have deathmatch. You will have capture the flag. You will have, you know, and you will have battle royale modes. I think that is just going to be just incorporated into what we expect from these kinds of games. And I say – Awesome. I'm glad that that it, it doesn't need to be its own game. It can be a part of these these larger, bigger games that have established mechanics that work well. The problem, though, and Anthony, I'm curious on your take. I think the problem is player base to support it when it's a mode within a bunch of other modes. It's kind of the reason why Splatoon Salmon Run is kind of like cordoned off because whatever they i don't know if they ever gave an official reason but it always seemed like we, we want people enough people to be playing this and like you can't even pick your map and it's changed and evolved over time but i feel like maybe you'll have battle royale but this hundred person you know the epic scope and feel of uh fortnite or PUBG. if you're call of duty and you also have capture the flag team deathmatch deathmatch um attrition or whatever and then also battle royale like anthony do you think this is sustainable or is that what blows up the genre is everybody doing it so there are no there's no people to play it yeah i i agree with you i think that yeah it's what's gonna really i think not not kill it but really lessen people's interest and turn into this thing of you know uh people in twitch chat saying like lo you know lol battle royale game in 2018 is you're gonna have 
what if there's a division sequel i can all but guarantee that they're looking into making a battle royale game because they had the framework with survival and there'll be a lot more you know i'm sure you know rockstar if they're not doing it they're at least trying to figure out how to make it go into grand theft auto or red dead so i do feel like yeah there is gonna be an oversaturation but it's still like such a massive thing. Like it dominates Twitch. It, you know, it, it dominates sales. I think, you know, it's, it's not my cup of tea, um, but I totally understand why people like it. And I think that uh, there weren't, there weren't enough copycats this year, to be honest. You know, I feel like there, there's still so much room for more copycats. Cause really like there was PUBG that, you know, had the whole big following and then Fortnite came out and Fortnite kind of siphoned off some of that. And then that was really it. You know, I feel like there's more opportunities to, to like go after that and, and improve on that. I feel like the people that like Fortnite are the people that have problems with PUBG, And so I think there are going to be people that have problems with Fortnite who will find the next game. Yeah, I think you're going to see 2018 and beyond. Uh, we're just going to get a glut of these things. Um, and maybe there'll be a oversaturation point that will not be super good for that genre, but it'll reach an equilibrium. And I, the thing that's exciting, the reason I think it is a defining story of this year is it's here to stay, right? This is a, this is a mechanic. This is a, a, a rule set for these games that, is easy to implement and super fun and and I think is going to be around in some form for a long, long time. And and 2017 was the year it yeah. it became a I thing. Mean, look how fast yeah. Fortnite was just able to like take this game that was a horde mode and just go like, oh, let's take some pieces and move them around and do some things. Boom, we got a battle royale. Like I can't imagine that they were considering a battle royale mode prior to you know like at least midway through this year and now yeah like i i played fortnite fortnite like real fortnite and so did when I. I talk about What's people that? with fortnite they're always like oh yeah you know like how far have you gone like how many wins it's like no i was defending the storm shelter from the zombies and they're like there's <laughs> yeah, zombies heard of in it. the game what yeah, it doesn't sound like a game that came out this year. I, I think I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Our chat, by the way, is uh, is is suggesting a whole bunch of battle royale games. Eric uh, on caffeine said uh, a Cuphead battle royale, make it happen. Um, uh, AQ Trans said Tetris battle royale. They've kind of like done it. that, but not with like I think it was four v four was the most. It was like Tetris Worlds, right? I think. <laughs> Gaucho Cam says Hearthstone battle royale. It's all, uh, yeah, it's all I think happening. there are a lot of different – there are so many different ways you could go with it. And I am surprised that there wasn't more. And I'm sure there will be. I'm sure E3 is going to be grown after grown of people taking the stage at every press conference and going, welcome to our new game. It's called this. It's a Battle Royale game, 120 players. And everybody goes, "Ugh." We took PUBG oh. and we added – Six more players. Welcome. I mean, to- I, I guess if, if you can count on one thing from the video game industry, it's that they will milk something until it oh, dies. <laughs> I mean, we saw about a billion D Dark Souls esque games, so you know it's. Yeah. But that's fine. It's fine. The best stuff will rise to the top, unless it's the Nemesis system. Then apparently, no one else can do it, which still blows my mind. Yeah, I wonder why that is. That's interesting. Um. All right, well, let's get to the meat of the show and uh, our lists, our best of lists. But first, 
I want to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace has been a longtime sponsor, and I'm just so pleased about that because I've been using Squarespace for a long time myself. Uh, JeffCanada.com is housed on Squarespace, was built on Squarespace. I love using Squarespace. I recommend it to all my friends and family, and it's because it's the easiest way to make a website. If you have any reason, any reason whatsoever to have an online presence or make a website, you got to check out Squarespace because nothing is easier or looks better or slicker to use. Like it, 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 you can just make something so quickly and so simply. Uh, and the thing that you make will actually look professional and awesome. You start with a template that they have that has been professionally made and then you just start messing with it. You can drag and drop and just create as you would like. You can do all that, by the way, without even giving them a credit card. You can just get to their site and start building your website. If you need to sell stuff, they have easy drag and drop um, uh, market marketplace kind of uh, implementation. So you can add a storefront uh, and, and charge people, or you can, you can add all kinds of cool stuff. It automatically scales to any mobile device. You don't have to worry about any of that. They have built-in SEO search engine optimization, um, 24-7 award-winning customer support. You don't ever have to upgrade or patch anything that's all handled for you. It's great. It's great. I really, really like it. And everybody at some point is going to need to build a website. Why not go with the best place that makes it easy on you? If you can dream it, you can make it with Squarespace. And even better, we're going to help you out. We're going to give you, uh, once you decide to to purchase, because you don't even have to give them your credit card to build the site and make it your own. Once you decide to purchase, if you put in our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. We'll give you 10% off your purchase and uh, that will help them know that it was a good idea to sponsor us, which is great too. 10% off, you go to squarespace.com. You get your free trial, try it out for free. Don't even worry about paying. But when you're ready to launch, when you're ready to launch your site and give it to the public and have it be your online destination, use that promo code Jeff sent me, get yourself 10% off. Yeah, it's time, guys. 2017's favorite games of the year. We're going to count down our top fives. Let's get right into it with number five. Anthony, why not kick us off? What's your number five game of 2017? My number five game of 2017 is What Remains of Edith Finch. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, love that game. Uh it's I don't know. It's it it affected me in a way I don't think any other game on my list did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just uh, it's just it's it is one of those like you know quote unquote walking simulator games with just a I think a really great uh, design aesthetic. There's so much variety in what you're doing. I don't know. I was just captivated. I played it in one sitting and you know wanted to finish it. Yeah. Some might describe it as a four hour game that you can't fail, but the experiences and the game mechanics that it brings to you are whatever else the rest of that goes. Um, Do you want to talk about it now, Jeff, or later? (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about it now. I don't know what your list is, but I have a feeling we might be talking about it later, also. uh, That's a pretty good feeling. 
Um, yeah, no, it is. It, we, I will be, definitely be talking about it soon. But um, I obviously concur. I think it's an amazing experience. It's a. It's truly a piece of art expressed through interactive entertainment, and uh, nothing like it. I mean, I think some people may some people present may not maybe grinches and not understand it or get it or uh not not have a cold dark heart and didn't feel anything because of it anthony's taking time off his friday night to be with us jeff let's not (laughs) (laughs) anthony put it on his list christian i Um, put it on my list yeah no but i mean i think a lot of people perhaps discount it because a it is short b you can't fail it and I mean, there's literally no fail state in the game yeah. and you literally can play it with one button. So a lot of those things, I think some people count sure. as uh, negative, not me, because the experience is so profound. It really got me emotionally in a way most games don't. And it's a thing of beauty. It's truly a, a thing of beauty that makes me think about humanity like great art does. But yeah, Christian, you didn't like great. it. It didn't connect with me in the same way that, that it did with you guys. That's correct. It might have been that I I think it was like the third of that genre I played in a row, but I'm glad that it's resonating with so many people. And I mean, I think I've had fun just hearing you talk about it over the course of the year, Jeff, like how it stuck with you. And I think anytime a game does that, it's hard for it not to be considered as a you know a favorite of the year. And I think the more we talk about uh, triple a, the the more we talk about non triple a games the better it, it is for the industry not that those games can't be our favorites i'm going to name quite a few of them but i love when these smaller games you know really affect people because I, I think that's what i love about the hobby so much is what it's able to do so christian what is your number five my number five we might talk about it later too uh my number five is zelda breath of the wild now, and, I think uh, many people would be shocked to have it be so low as to be fifth on your list. Any Anything to say to those people? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of great games came out this year, and I think five is a, a wonderful spot, especially considering all the games that came out this year. For me, what kept it from being higher is the type of gamer that I am. I need a little more direction. I need a, whether it's narrative or waypoints on my map a la um wildlands or pick your ubisoft game something to like tell me i'm doing a good job you know like giving me that pat on the back that social conditioning i have from social media or whatever i don't know like hey someone liked your thing me being like yay or hey you achieved something me being like yay zelda was a little too open for me but that said the exploration when it when it did click or i did have and maybe it's just my schedule but when i did have time to sit down and really melt away in it like i loved it the most when i was on my couch or on a plane and just like me in the game and i could just melt away into this world and solve solve puzzles i didn't even know were puzzles when i approached them Um, and then seeing people online with like i did something one way then i watch a gif and it's like do you know that you can just if you tap your switch four times and then click the right stick, and that's a dumb example, right? But like things like that, like the creativity afforded in the game. And then for me, what bumped it up onto five and not keeping it, it'd be in my top 10 just with me, um, but really pushed it up a, a few spots was seeing my daughter connect with it. I have a five-year-old, she's five now. And just having her, the wonder and joy that I could see in her eyes as she just roamed through the forest and how nervous and excited she got when she came upon just the smallest enemy and, you know, kind of like re- recoiled. and was like, ah, and like then tried to fight them or would hand it to me or watching her 
for 20 minutes just cook stuff in the joy the simple things that nintendo does of like and like seeing a game connect with her like that for the first time was truly magical so it was like a really awesome experience for us to have together and it's hard for me to separate that out and not have that influence where i put the game and having it climb up to number five yeah, clearly a Titanic release. <laughs> I'll use that term again. Uh, clearly a big, big release that's going to have ripple effects, I think, throughout the industry for many years to come. I think it's you're going to see games that are influenced by Breath of the Wild. It is uh, one of those one of those seminal moments uh, in the industry, and therefore I think worthy of all the praise that it's getting. But I'm sort of a little bit in your camp, Christian, in the sense that I feel like the way I hear people talk about Breath of the Wild makes me wish I had had that experience that they talk about. I, I think people express that to me a lot when, when they hear me effuse about uh, well, certain like things. It, they're like, oh, I wish I felt that way about the thing that you used. It's Edith Finch for me. I mean, I played that whole – it was different because like, – but I played – and I hear you talk about it and I'm just like, I just missed all that. Like that didn't connect with me in that way. And I kind of think that's cool. <laughs> that you know we can have these vastly different experiences with the same product and it doesn't connect with someone in the same way you don't dive into it um right and i, I kind of think that's magical yeah that game and persona 5 were the games that i'm like i wish i felt about them the way people who recommended them to me felt about them <laughs> i wish persona 5 was on the switch <laughs> yeah that really says a lot too yeah um anthony i suspect you'll be talking about this one a little later uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we can move on. Uh, my number five game is – this is hard for me. This is very hard for me to, to pick this one because there was a lot of vying for this spot. But it's Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Nice. And nice. Uh, I adore this game. It is, I think, unfortunately overlooked because of the other big Mario <laughs> that was released on Switch this year. But – Unlikely that this game – I didn't think it was likely this game would be as good as it turned out to be, being not really a Nintendo joint. It was really an Ubisoft joint, and it it's phenomenal. It captures what I love about turn-based tactical games like XCOM but makes it somehow both more accessible and still challenging and still ramps up its challenges in really wonderful ways – the look and feel is beautiful and cartoony and delightful, and there's secrets to be found throughout the overmap, uh, just sort of traversal stuff. It, 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 I, I love the fights. I love the power, the way you feel like the power escalates and you always feel like you're OP, but then the fights are also always really interesting and challenging. I adore Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Yeah, it's great, and I love that that it is a Ubisoft joint. And I, and I think too, this is kind of goes back to the year of Nintendo that it stinks that this leaked out. Cause I do think that was, could have been a megaton type announcement at E3. And it was so cool to see the Ubisoft devs get so emotional and to see Nintendo back it in a big way and kind of give them freedom to do whatever they wanted with their characters. And granted, we've had like Mario versus Sonic and the Olympics and Mario and other things, but have this game come out, and be so polished and, and kind of do a new take on these characters that we know so well um, is really cool, especially considering we've seen Mario do everything right from golf to tennis to whatever. And this is still like, it was a really fresh use of the character and the IP. And I think it clicked for a lot of people. Did you play it, Anthony? I forget. 
I did. I played it uh, the whole way through. It was. It's on my top ten. It didn't make yeah. five, but I. The only my only real criticisms of it are the escort missions are awful. And I don't think so. I thought the escort Ooh. missions were fine. I thought they were fine. I mean, I, I didn't prefer them, but I liked the fact that there were different kinds of sure. missions. So yeah, no, I, I I do appreciate that. I I always every time it was every time it was like I could see we were going to go get somebody, and then it was like oh, I'm gonna have to bring him back, and one of those <laughs> dudes with the tombstone on his back is gonna pop out right next to him. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. But it's not, uh, I, it, yeah. it, I think because they made the movement through the map so much different than XCOM, like the fact that you could get sure. so far on a single move, uh, I think ma- mitigated that those missions in particular, the frustration that I usually find with them uh, a lot. So I don't know. Yeah, that uh, for me, I was yeah disappointed in that. And I think it gets it gets a little long in the tooth towards the end, but I, I had a ton of fun with it. I if you have not played it, I'm going to give you a hot tip. Luigi, always Luigi. <laughs> all Luigi all the time. And, and invest in his like double like reaction shot and you'll, yeah. you'll love the game even more. Oh man. Yeah. I, yeah, I loved opening up new characters. I could go on and on, but yeah, that is my number five game. So number four, Mr. Tarmina. Yes. What is your Cuphead. Oh, Cuphead. Wow. Cuphead oh. is my number four. Um, did you beat it? I 100% beat it. Oh, uh, there's man, a, there's awesome. a stream of me beating it. So <laughs> I have the proof. Um, did yeah, you break I, any controllers? No, but I did get frustrated uh, at places. I just, uh, I feel like the boss battles are so creative. The animation, the music, uh, the controls. I just really, really, really adore that game. I think it's it's just something so unique and it's, it's so striking visually. And I'm, I'm a sucker for boss battles that are, you know, like when a, when a boss appears in a game and you're just doing the same thing that you had been doing before it, it, it kind of disappoint me. So what, what I liked about this was every boss had a different pattern, had a different, you know, routine that I had to memorize and learn from. And, and uh, there's just like so many great moments of like you die and then you see your progress and you're like, I was right there. Or you, you barely made a dent or you only have one life left and you take, uh, or one little bit of health left and you like think you beat the boss and then it triggers a new phase. And you're like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What is this? What is this? You die. I, That's the answer. You die. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that game from top to bottom. I'm so pleased that you said that because I still haven't really played it. Christian, I don't think you have really played it either, have you? Not outside of E3. I watch, yeah. I think I watched some of your stream, Anthony. I watched some Spawn on Me streams, and I'm like, this game looks beautiful. Okay, I'm good. Um, but I, I, got- I love that it came out, and I love that it sure. connected with so many people. And I love what it became from what they first showed it because it was kind of a game where they showed the trailer first. Everybody was blown away. Then it kind of – that first like Seven hands-on, years ago when they showed the trailer? It wasn't that long. <laughs> no, it was, it's but that first hands-on, people were skeptical. They're like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And then it, it's, it's – well, I think it really the, blew people the away. The run and gun, the stuff that they added like you know, to not make it just a boss rush game I think is the worst part of the game. Interesting. Like, I wish it would have just been what they initial initially intended because the bosses are the best part of the game. The run and gun is, I think, the worst part of the game, personally. Well, that's Cuphead, uh, and that is Anthony's number four. Uh, my number four is What Remains of Edith Finch, 
which we've already talked about. But I just will re- reiterate what a beautiful, magical, wonderful experience that was. And uh, it, it's something that I have thought about so much since I've played it. And that is the sign, I think, of a wonderful experience in any medium. Yeah. Christian. Well, hold on, Jeff. Let yeah. me ask you. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. What was your what? Which vignette stuck with you the most? Oh man. Um, well, I think the easy answer is the fish heads one. Yeah. Uh, but I I also loved the swing. Oh yeah yeah. yeah oh yeah. my god, that just made my it is it just made my heart sing. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Did you have another one? Uh, the the daughter with the like horror night. Yeah. Thing. The the comic book one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. There's uh, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing series of ideas expressed in that in that game. Um, okay, Christian, what is your number four? We might talk about it again later, and it's been this thing where it's weird where I've kind of had to separate what's happened recently for the joy and love I had for it when it came out, but it is Destiny 2. When that game came out, I I really enjoyed the campaign. I thought the cinematics were incredible. I liked the plot. I think the game has its problems, but few shooters feel as good as Bungie can make a shooter, and you know I was hooked on that thing, and I, I get that I'm not the hardcore extreme player like I was okay hitting level 300 and walking away from the game until uh DLC came out that might pull me back in I understand that some people wanted it to be their everyday their hobby but for me and the way I play games the amount of hours I put into that game and the pure joy I had you know playing it doing things that I never did in the first destiny like Air- Anthony carried me through a raid I did a- I-, I attempted a raid a couple of other times uh I played the hard version of the strikes. I played strikes. I played crucible. I played a lot of crucible. Um, I played it again on PC when it came out, I was given a code on PC, so I didn't rebuy it, but I, you know, played a decent amount again on PC and just the experience of the core game. I thought was just a real triumph for me and what I was looking for in that game. The stuff they've done since, like this holiday event that they have going on now seems like it's just a real mess and microtransactions and kind of how they've reacted to their hardcore player base. I'll admit has maybe soured me even on my initial impressions. Maybe it might've been higher had we done this episode, you know, like right after I hit level 300 or whatever. But my time with that game when it was good was so, so good. And I I love the shooting mechanics that, that Bungie is able to, to polish so well. One of my biggest... Uh, question marks coming into this episode was whether this game ended up making Tower Mina's top five. So I kind of don't even want to know if it's going to show up later or not. Uh, if if the, the latest controversies and frustrations that he's expressed, let's keep lo- chugging along then. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, okay. But I feel bad if he, okay. if it's not on his list, if he's going to not have a chance to talk about it. Uh, it's not on my list. It's not on your list. It's wow. not on my list. Wow. It's not even in my top ten. Wow. And is that was that always the case or has that just happened in the last like month? Um I think I think the platform that Bungie has put together uh is an improvement over uh Destiny One in terms of a lot of the systems and what they've introduced. But I feel as though Destiny Two ultimately is a step backwards compared to all of the improvements that happened in year three with rise of iron. Like 100%. I think that there were two teams. There was one, you know, the live team and there was the taken King team. We'll call them. 
uh, with Luke Smith. And they were, they were, uh, they must've been working independent of each other or they started work. And then, you know, the live team introduced changes that were well-received and they were like, well, we can't, we're not going to have time to put those in, but I destiny for me at the end of the day is a game that I like to get on every day and play with my friends and, uh, the fun I have playing with my friends now in the end game of destiny two is not anywhere close to the fun I had in the end game of destiny one. Wow. And also this dawning event is awful. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I am surprised. I, I wasn't sure it was going to make your top five, but I thought for sure at least top 10, but my goodness. Nope. Nope. Oh, I just, how the mighty it's, have fallen tower. Man. It's uh yeah, it's um, well this DLC also like, I guess it, it has everything to do with, you know, like the fool me once type of mentality. Like the, the curse of Osiris DLC is just as short as like the dark below DLC, which was the first DLC for destiny one. And they both have similar criticisms, but you've had three years to learn from that experience and you're just doing it again. I will say the raid lair in curse of Osiris is, is really good. Um, the boss fight at the end is especially good, but yeah, I don't, it just, it's have, a it's repeating a lot of the same problems again. You know hmm. what I'm gonna have to do now, Anthony, is come up with a new DLC moniker for you because <laughs> it does not apply anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. At the, at the end of the day, like uh, you know, between me and Christian, we're we're different players. I have probably quadrupled the number of hours in Destiny. <laughs> probably. To that. Christian yeah. does. I think the more hardcore, the more serious you are with it, the worse the game becomes. Like I, <laughs> I really do. The I more totally you love it, that. the less you love it. Well, the more you want to keep. Like I, I'm, I love, I'm okay playing a ten hour game and being like done with that game. But sure. yeah, I understand. We talked about this. I think a few episodes when Anthony was on. Like Destiny isn't presented as that, right? And we talked. They talked about it on their podcast. So they were trying to appease, you know, the single player people that just want to play a campaign, the middle ground people, where I think is where I land, and then also the hardcore. And maybe it goes back to that triangle that we have talked about, Jeff, of like cheap, faster quality, and you can get two, yeah. but you can't get all three. And it seems like Destiny whiffed big on their oh, most yeah. faithful. I mean, e- even even at its lowest lows, I think uh, for Destiny One, the the best indication is the Twitch, you know, community, the people watching, the people streaming, and even at its lowest lows, Destiny One still had a lot of dedicated fans. And now a lot of those people that were like the champ they were the true Destiny's last champions getting on every day to stream, you know, Destiny Grind, they are playing Fortnite every morning now. Wow. Wow. Sounds like a problem. I wonder if they'll be able to write that ship and pull those players back in. Um it'll be interesting to see how twenty eighteen, you know, yeah, works out for that. All right, uh, so we're on number three. Uh, I'll start with number three, and I think my top three. It almost feels like could have gone in any order. I mean, these are all so they all vied for the number one spot. Um, I'm I'm happy with the order I came to, but they're all so so great and so close to my heart. But my number three game is Divinity Original Sin Two. Mm. which is, I mean, I loved Divinity Original Sin. I think that year that Divinity came out, it was my number one. And I think Divinity Original Sin 2 actually improves on the first game in almost every way. I don't think there's a system in the game that hasn't doesn't perform better in this one. And chief among those improvements in Divinity Original Sin 2 is complete voice acting throughout the entire game. And it makes such a huge difference. It's such high-quality, excellent voice acting. It's almost mind-boggling how good this is because anybody that's played 
a Bethesda game or any big sprawling role-playing game, invariably there is a couple of um, a couple of quests where you feel like the VO actors are tired or they you know they just they had to do a quick pickup or something and it just doesn't sound like it's really happening right then. Never is that the case with Divinity. It's it, it, anyway, that is a great part of it, but also the systems are great. I love that it's a throwback to my favorite game of all time, which is Ultima 7. It feels like the spiritual successor to those kinds of isometric games. The combat system is thrilling and amazing. Graphically, it looks better than the first game. There's so much more to do. It's a gigantic game. The starting heroes are fascinating and so well-written. It is one of the best role-playing games ever, and thus also one of the best role-playing games of the, of the year. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to talk more and more about Divinity Original Sin 2, which everyone should play. Do you, uh, Twitch chat is asking, what, that, is that on PS4, just Xbox, just PC? Do you I know believe it's only on PC right now, but the first Divinity came to consoles, so I suspect they'll probably do that as well, especially since it has full controller support on PC, and it does so in a way where you, like, switch over completely. Like, you can't... Most games where you can pick up a controller and use that, and it'll go, oh, you're using a controller now. Okay, cool. With Divinity, and it's actually one of my pet peeves, uh, with Divinity, you have to select it from the main menu, and you're stuck. You can't push keyboard commands once you have huh. a controller. And I th- suspect that's because uh, that's how they're going to implement the console, but uh, I don't think it's actually come out for console yet. I could be wrong, but I don't think it has. I played it on PC. Cool. Uh, your number three, Christian. It's the same thing. Uh, this could be anywhere. Um, Mario Odyssey. What a triumph of a game uh i'm smiling the whole time i'm playing it again just the inventiveness and i think too you know you and i both came off of e3 a little nonplussed with it we're like how it was shown and like no no there's something everywhere but why don't you go look over there and i'm like ah i don't want to no 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 but now and i was like let me play and i think we kind of both left e3 thinking yeah i don't know about this game but when i got to play it on the plane on the couch on the toilet (laughs) on the tv um just magical it captured um everything i love about 3d mario and then kept reinventing itself it almost felt like every level or every world whatever they're called in mario odyssey excuse me almost every level was like what other games were in terms of like other games like here's a new mechanic we're going to build this game around it and odyssey was like here's this new mechanic you'll do it five times and that was fun, right? Here's another new mechanic. And don't worry, if you like that other mechanic, we'll give you a reason to go back and do more of that mechanic later. But also, check out this song. Isn't this song bizarre? Yeah. <laughs> um, it just kept surprising me every turn. And I haven't spent enough time with the end game. Maybe that'd make it even higher. I don't know. But just, I mean, it's a game that keeps giving, and it looks so good, and it plays so well. I think the the inclusion of the motion controls... Um, that that's like its only fault is that I wish I didn't have to do any of that or whatever. I could get by, do all the moves without anything. But if that's my only little grievance is like, I don't want to shake the controller. That's a dang good game. It's a dang good game. It is dang good. Uh, it is uh, an amazing, joyful, positive, lovely experience that I think is going to stand the test of time and, and go down as one of the great Mario games ever. It is. Uh, it's an amazing thing that Nintendo has done this year with both Mario and Zelda. So, yeah. Uh, Anthony, your number three. My number three is Near Automata. Yay! Um, 
It's just, I, I think, a uh, really unexpected surprise for me. I, you know, I didn't really think that this was my type of game, uh, I, but I heard a lot of people, you know, say the two things, you must play this game and you must see the multiple endings, uh, you know, so I... I only did the I, first one. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I did all of them. Um uh, well, all the all the ones that are like the main endings, um, because there is there is more to the game if you get all of the endings. You get to play different stuff. Um, I think the combat is good. I think that it has like a very kind of you know initial goofy look to it. You have you know these these weird robots that are saying odd things, but there's there's deeper themes to explore. It's really just an unexpected uh, sort of treasure i don't know there's there's no other way to to put it like i really 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 enjoyed the game as far as like the way the whole thing comes together story-wise and and builds on those multiple endings and the characters i really learned to to care about and i i really like the game it's great yeah that's another one that fits in that category of i wish it grabbed me like it grabbed other people i really loved the opening sequence before it, it goes open world and once it went open world it just felt sparse and uninspired to to do much i don't know i i just didn't it didn't get its tendrils in the way it did to other people i think it'd make my top 10 um spoiler it's not in my top five but what a phenomenal game and i think coming from platinum too that everybody had or in part from platinum right everybody had loved a lot of what they had done but we were seeing some mediocre licensed games from them and then to have this come out coupled with the aesthetic and the story and everything else that it has. And I don't think it's Platinum's best combat ever, but it's really fun and refreshing, and especially adding it to that genre of game I thought was was really cool. And I understand your comment that it felt, kind of felt barren and sparse, but I thought it felt clean mm-hmm. in a really cool way that a lot of JRPGs, yeah. or not even JRPGs, but you know, Japanese-inspired games don't sometimes. And I think it, it, it kind of took this aesthetic of like, this futuristic 2001 space odyssey, what, you know, what does a spaceship look like kind of thing and, and extrapolated that out. And then we, you saw that even in ruins, it was like very clean lines and modern takes on this stuff. It's yeah. uh, impressive. My favorite thing about it is that it, it seems like they went, what genre should this be? Oh, all of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's just see if we yeah. can do all the genres in one game. There are some really, you know, like when you the dig the further you dig into the game, like I I don't I don't know if Christian saw it. I I Jeff, you definitely didn't because you have to get like three or four endings deep. But the game changes in in some ways, and you're like, wow, I just it's continuing to do different things. And yeah, I I That's can't cool. say enough about the game. It is it is well worth trying if. It's a character action game. So at the end of the day, like I think the combat is pretty solid. Even if you're not into the story, you could just play it for that. But if you if you give it uh, a chance, I, it could win you over. I wonder, you know, I feel like in 2017, more than any other year, I was just drowning in amazing things to play. And I wonder if there had been a window where I could just have that be my main game if if I would have fallen deeper in love with it. Uh, and I feel yeah. that way about Persona, you know, and I feel that way about Zelda. Like, the fact that these games were coming it's back to back to back to back, all these incredible, big, long experiences, that if they didn't grab me right up front, 
And if, if it was like, oh, you got to watch season one of Buffy before it gets good. I felt like there was a lot of season one of Buffy in there, you know, out in the <laughs> world. Uh, whereas sure. there are so many games where like in the first 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, this is my jam. Uh, and, and those were the games that I tended to stick with. And I, I think that speaks more about me <laughs> than anything else. It's my... My lack of patience, uh, you know, the the cult of the new sort of shiny new thing over there, um, and I, I kind of feel embarrassed about that. But it is the it is the case. Sure, that's that's a fair criticism of it for sure. That it it you you get a lot of people saying like, oh, it's pretty good, and then you get ending Z, and yeah. you're like, oh, and it it is a daunting thing. I will say that like. Christian was saying it, it, it is clean. And it's also clean in the sense of it's not like heavy JRPG, like side quests galore. You can, you can do them if you want the first time around, but you can streamline through to the next set of endings pretty quickly. It, it, it is not as involved a game to get those multiple endings as you might think. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So that was number, your number three, right? Yes. All right. We're on to number two. Christian, you want to start us off with number two? Oh my goodness! It's it's so hard. Uh, we'll talk about this game later, I think, or maybe we talk about it right now, just for everybody. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn is my number two game of the year. Also, my number two. Uh, great. I I have to. I'm embarrassed to admit that is my number two game of the year, and maybe one of you know top twenty, top fifteen games of all time. I loved it, which just speaks to what 2017 is. I have owned the DLC since it came out, and I haven't started it yet, which I also think so speaks good. to how good of a year. 2017 was all the way to the end um but aloy is such a great character the world they build the combat the the story i mean i think you said it when we talked about it originally jeff um it's so well paced and it just keeps pulling you along and when you get comfortable with one thing you know like her backstory and you're learning about the world and then it drops something else whether it be infighting between tribes or you know whatever and then like the little side you know, futuristic rooms you go into for like bonus XP or weapon unlocks and stuff like that, how that changes the game and the feel of it. And just moment to moment to moment, I was blown away by the game and the voice acting is so great. And when the story got going, there were nights where it was, you know, two, three in the morning. And I know I have to get up at six with my daughters and I'm just playing for one more mission. I, I, how does this resolve? And just what a triumph, what a triumph. I agree 100%. Also my number two. It is – it could easily have been my number one. Uh, it is, I think, uh, an amazing game, uh, an amazing game world. I love it from a purely aesthetic sense. The idea of this fiction, the idea that they can somehow be a science fiction game and like a fantasy <laughs> tribal game at the same time is amazing. Um, the the look and feel of the enemies, those mechanical beasts were so rad. And the fact that these these humans have built societies out of the wreckage of that and their clothes have like, you know, the way that real tribal peoples would have, you know, pelts and and skulls and stuff from their the beasts that they've vanquished. So too did these guys have them, but they're metal. It's just so it's so inventive and cool and different than anything I've seen before. And while I, also being the purest distillation of things we've seen before. Well, that's what I was just about to say. It, it It is a game that doesn't really do anything new, but it does stuff that everybody else has done at least as good and maybe better than most other guys have done it. And it does all of those things the best it could do. It, it synthesizes the best stuff from a lot of 
familiar tropes, but it brings them together. It synthesizes them in a way that works extremely well. It is a, a, a wonderful experience. So Horizon Zero Dawn, number two for both of us. What is your number two, Anthony? Uh, my number two is Resident Evil 7. Nice. Yay. Yeah. Did you play in VR? No, I just played it uh... – Oh, I tr- I dabbled in the VR, but I played it through just you know controller. Um, this is and a then I... January game too, so it stuck with you. Correct. Um, and I just I just played through the the latest DLC not that long ago. Um, I I just I I love everything that they did with this game. Uh, I like the change to first person. Um, it has like a first hour that I think is is like disturbing and freaky and it just like they create this perfect little haunted house environment where you see different areas that you're not going to go to yet and i was just thoroughly creeped out and enjoyed every second of it that's i really really enjoyed the kind of way that uh they took a step back and said like okay well we know everybody likes chris and they like jill and they like the you know the third person uh, camera of resident evil 4 and let's just throw that all away new characters you know new uh combat scheme with with some similar stuff and let's make it a little more focused a lot more like resident evil 1 where you're in this self-contained area for the most part um, and I just, yeah, I had so much fun playing it. It was really just like a, a it was like going into a, a 10 hour haunted house. Yeah. I was going to say that I, I loved the game too, but I could, I would never describe it as being fun. It was, it was, it was fun in parts. I think, I, <laughs> I mean, know. it's, I like getting scared. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm into that. I liked the idea of like, you go down a hallway and a shadow moves and it's like, I want to know what that shadow was. <laughs> Show me what it was. Uh, and yeah, there's just like so many, the, the family, the Baker family has, you know, so many creepy dynamics going on that you're just like, I wonder what her deal is. And I wonder what his deal is. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, it's an amazing experience, especially in VR. Uh, I mean, I played it exclusively in VR. I still haven't finished it because I'm too scaredy pants. That's me. Sure. I feel like I, I needed to play it in VR and I can't. I, can't, I sit down and be like, oh, I can't. I'm not It's midnight. What am I doing? I'm an idiot. I can't. Oh, don't do this. Don't do this. Yeah, it, it is. But it looks amazing. And there are set pieces that are just as cinematic as, as could be. And I love, too, how bold a direction. I mean, we, we give Nintendo all this credit for taking both Mario and Zelda in bold new directions. But Capcom deserves just as much credit for really reinventing what a Resident Evil game is all about. I mean, the difference between 6 and 7 is stark, to say the, to say the least. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very, a very franchise cool. that's like a zombie. It keeps getting back up. And, like, it hmm. might, you know, be long in the tooth at some point. But if you look back from 1 to code veronica to four to six to seven like it's a it's it's one of the most well-known franchises at capcom but also the one they've taken some huge risks with over the years and i feel like every time they take a big risk it pays off in spades and that's it's really really cool to see yeah well folks we've arrived we have arrived at number one the game our individual favorite game of the year and it bears repeating here at the end of our journey to number one that these are our favorites based on an incomplete sampling 
Uh, although I think I suspect <laughs> Taramina's sampling is a little more complete than even I, d- I went through and I I pretty much played every major release of the year. There you go. Uh, GameRant.com. You can see his his reviews right there. Uh, True. So Anthony, as uh-huh. our guest, yes. you get to go first. What is your favorite game of 2017? Uh, this okay. So I should preface this by saying, like, this game was probably going to be my game of the year, no matter what. You know, it was it was built to be my game of the year. It's my favorite franchise. It's the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yay! Um, this it's, is this is why we invite you so that people don't yell at us. <laughs> it, I mean, like we're talking. I know I have a lot of hours in Destiny too, but I have like two hundred plus hours in Zelda. Uh, I did everything, literally everything you could do uh, in the game. I loved being in that world. I would I would set aside few a few hours and say like, okay, today I'm gonna go tackle the you know the divine beast in the Zora region. And then I would start to go somewhere. My shrine little tracker would go off. I would go to that shrine, then get distracted because I'd see like a Korok seed. I just like, there's so much about that game that just like engrossed me from top to bottom. There are so many little things that you continue to discover. Like the first time, you know, you're, you're fighting somebody and then something catches on fire and then you're like, everything's on fire. My, my sword is on fire. You know, my wooden stick is on fire. He's on fire. And then something comes out of nowhere and just drops a rock on everybody or something silly like that. There's just so much about that game that uh, I feel like absorbed me for a good month that I kept going back to it. I could play it anywhere with the switch. Um, but even if I couldn't play it on the Switch, like I loved being able to play it on the Switch, but I would have sat down every night to play this. I I made sure that I was like done, you know, like I checked off every box and then said, okay, time to do the last thing, you know, the the um the end of the game. You know, yeah, I, I wanted to yeah. I wanted to make sure that like I was wringing out the last little bit of toothpaste. Before I officially, you know, did anything and, you know, to complete the game, to end it because I didn't want to end. And when Um, his wife left him, no one was surprised. (laughs) And when Anthony's mom and dad died and he was not at the funeral, his brothers, well, they understood. For that was the year that Breath of the Wild consumed Anthony and thus we lost him. It's true. The video game gods. Is is that your Morgan Freeman? You know, it's it's your dad. (laughs) It's my dad. Okay. That's Mr. Kanata. Yeah, it's a I mean it's just it's a it's a game that if they if somebody could wipe my memory and let me play it again fresh, I would do it again. Eternal Sunshine of the Breathless Wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's hitting himself with a brick <laughs> just like this will work. This will work. I got to yeah, say it's... it makes me jealous to hear you talk about that. I keep meaning to go back to it. I think I've put 30 hours into it, but I've done like 5 hours worth of stuff in the game, and that's <laughs> really my problem with it is that I it, I mean, I appreciate it. I always said it's 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 a game that's more like going on a hike than it is visiting an amusement park, you know? And that's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It's a wonderful idea for a game design, you know? And they really nailed it, and it, it's got so much in there that is fresh and interesting and unique. But I just, I just felt every time that I picked it up, I was like, 
Or every time I thought about picking it up, it was like, oh, I'm probably going to be standing at this cooking fire for a few minutes and like just picking stuff out of my menu and doing that. And, and then I'll probably wander around and I won't you know, climb a thing and I'll, there won't be anything there. And I'll, I'll, I'll have used two up, up two hours that I could have been doing something in Horizon or, sure. you know, here's the But storm. the thing is, Jeff, there is always something there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like for me, it's like, in in other games, you know, you see uh, you see this cliff face and you think, I wonder if there's something up there. And you go up there and you're like, oh, no. But in Zelda, there's always something up there. Something, yeah. you know, it might not be what you think it is. I will also say that I went back to play Horizon after playing Zelda. I did finish Horizon before playing Zelda, but I went back to Horizon to clean up some side quest stuff. And I will say that the freedom of Zelda to just go up to anything and climb it versus Horizon looking for the yellow handhelds, I was right. like, no, I can't go back. <laughs> I can't go back. You I know, think, like honestly... That- that's going to change the industry. I, I really do think it's going to make all of those old yellow handheldy games feel a little out of date. Um, and, and I think that will have a lasting effect, but yeah. you know, I love, the, I love your love of Zelda. I'm glad it's your number one. I, I think it's going to uh, be a, be a, a shield for Christian and I who Christian who put it five. I who it's, it would definitely be in my top 10, but it didn't make my top five. So um I'm just glad that you're representing. So I feel like at least somebody who's sane is, is here. Yeah. I'm here. I'm, I'm saying I took my pills. I'm ready. <laughs> Christian number one game of 2017 hit me. Well, speaking of glowy yellow hand handhelds guys, um, it, this surprised me, but it is uncharted lost legacy. Wow. Number which uncharted one? Uncharted 4, if you remember last year, was my number two being supplanted by my experience with The Last Guardian. Mm. But Uncharted mm. The Lost Legacy is such a tight – and I'm glad they released it standalone because that allowed me to consider it. Um, my off-random rules that might change for next year, but my rules going into this were no early access game. It needed to be a standalone release. So something like Forza Horizon 3 Hot Wheels – which I love. I couldn't consider for this. But didn't uh, Horizon I, 3 come out this year? Forza Horizon 3? No, it was last year. Oh, it was? Oh. Yeah, the game itself. Um, but so Uncharted Lost Legacy, it is tight in, in its narrative. It has set pieces that I think are some of the best set pieces in the... It takes like all of the best set pieces in the franchise and puts them all into one game. The way that they blew out the open world for you know that that mission or that area I thought was really cool and compelling. And for me, the biggest testament to the game really blowing me away is here is one of my favorite franchises of all time. Right. So like, this is, I'm going to be into this game from the get go, but it's one of my favorite franchises of all time without my favorite character. Right. It's like, it's like, here's a new Mario game where you don't get to play as Mario or anyone that you've really known or played with before. And the way that Chloe and Nadine interacted the what they brought to the narrative, their voice, their take on the world. I, I forgot that I, I don't even want to play as Nate anymore. Like Nate just feels dumb. Nadine and Chloe played so well together. I want more of their adventures. And um it yeah, it just blew me away. Top to bottom, absolutely blew me away. And somehow I think they managed to make the Uncharted 4 engine look even better. Just just visually stunning and while you know i probably beat it in nine hours ten hours or whatever i felt like there was never a moment wasted and it was constantly taking my breath away i absolutely loved it 
It is amazing. I think uh, it, it does feel a bit like a greatest hits album, um, but it is gorgeous. It is fun. I think it actually is a better Uncharted game at the length it is because it doesn't feel like it has some filler like some of the other Uncharted games do. There's, you know, you get to like the 11 hour mark, 12 hour mark in a Uncharted game and it feels like oh, I'm still going or, you know, like even the nine, 10 hour mark, whatever. Uh, and this game feels a little more streamlined. It felt like it cut out the fat. Uh, I, I really liked it too. I don't think it, it may have made my top 10. Probably not. It probably wouldn't have made my top 10, but um, it is a, a top tier game of the a game that came out this year for sure. What is your number one game of the year, Mr. Kanata? I'm going to make everybody angry, but this is legit my my game of the year. Legit. Angry Birds? Angry Birds. Uh, no. Lone Echo. You just said that so you could be right about a prediction. No, I swear to God, it is my legit game of the year. It is – but like I said, all my top three I, I wrestled with in the interchangeability. No one's going to be talking about Lone Echo but me in the world, and it is legit a game of the year. It is – it is the best experience that I've had playing a video game this year. It is the freshest, newest, most interesting experience playing a video game this year. I killed zero people playing it. I killed zero anythings. Uh, it is a game that is completely thrilling and yet requires no murder. <laughs> and I, I know that that may be a uh, hippie tri- tree hugger type of thing to say. But it's actually kind of refreshing. I have no problem, you know, killing things. I, I like shooters. I like... You know. <laughs> wait, wait. In video games. Oh, right, right, right. In video games. Is this being recorded? In video. Definitely <laughs> in video games. Um, but no, I mean, I have no problems uh, with violence in video games. I enjoy games with violence. Every other game on my list practically has it. But um, it was just so incredible to have this heart-pounding experience where that wasn't required. Like, somebody figured that out. And the game is gorgeous. It is jaw-dropping. There are moments in it, the first time you step out of the space station in Lone Echo, which, by the way, if you're not familiar, is a VR game. It came out on Oculus. And you step out from the space station that you spent several hours at the beginning of the game in, and then you step out into, uh, into open space, and it is breathtaking breathtaking and then things go crazier from there and the game escalates it has an incredible narrative that escalates all the way to the end you keep having to do crazier and crazier things all the way up until the end i couldn't believe the things i was seeing or the places i was going it felt like being inside the best sci-fi novel i've ever read it it, it it did things that I've literally never done in video games. I've never moved like I move in Lone Echo. It's a, it, 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 you're purely weightless and you move by pushing off things. Just that alone felt incredible and unlike anything else. It is a top-tier presentation. It is truly my game of the year, and I absolutely adore it. And the fact that it did not win Best VR Game at, in any awards is, I think, speaks to how few people maybe played it because it is transcendent and it also has a multiplayer component like it is com- being com- competed in as an esport it is it got legs that way the, the pure mechanisms that are introduced in the game i think are going to live on lone echo don't sleep on it if you've got vr it is incredible it's ready at dawn right i believe is the studio ready at dawn that's right yeah they make great games 
I, I probably, know every, everybody's going to make fun of me for picking a VR game, but I'm 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 serious. Like it, it was the best experience I've had with a video game in all of 2017. Period. It's a it's a great game. I think I didn't finish it, um, and I, I had two chunks where it, I played for it felt like an hour, and then I just didn't get to an auto save, and I went back. And after that happened twice, it was just hard for me to go back to just because of the constant barrage of amazing releases that were coming out. Um, but it, it is, it's incredible. And what they managed to do with locomotion and I think you're right, like nailing that sense of presence and then adding the weightlessness in a way that didn't make me nauseous where other space games had, like they, they did so much right that I do hope that other VR games look to this as, as how to kind of conquer that weightlessness movement around a world where you're just kind of sitting, standing still. It's uh it's a triumph. I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And and you you know you are they do a bold thing where you are the automaton, right? You are the robot. You play as the robot, but you yeah, interact. I killed a lot of those. By the way, I don't know about you. I <laughs> you, killed a lot of those. I think those. you're thinking of Robo Recall. Um, no, no, no. I just kept dying, and I'd have to. Oh get a yeah. New one. But how cool is it that you see like your corpse where it died? It's so rad. Uh, but you interact with a human being, and in VR, standing next to a human being that looks real and behaves in realistic ways and has nuance, that I think is a, a cr- incredible thing to pull off, an audacious thing to even try. Like, oh, we're going to make let you lean in close and just stare into the eyes of another human being. It's, I don't know, it's an amazing game. Lone Echo, my game of the year. So is Game of Show... Horizon? I think it has to be. I think it has to be. Because I, Anthony doesn't get a say because even though no, he's on no. the show more than we are sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think the DLC game of the year. It's funny. I don't remember there ever yes, being – go ahead. Well, based on uh, let me as the outsider decide for you guys, it's it's Horizon. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know if there's ever been a time where our game of E3 then became the next year's game of the year, but kudos to uh, – Kudos to Horizon Zero Dawn for pulling that off. I mean, oh, God, I hope Spider-Man does. I hope Spider-Man too. does. Me too. Um, but, Anthony, I'm so glad that you – I mean, literally, like, so many of the games on your top five we haven't really even talked about on the show too much. Sure. So I, lo- yeah. I love the fact that, that you had input. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk more about uh, the games that didn't make our list, some other side categories, and then get to our top five Dark Horses right after this. I just love it. I know it's the third time I played it in the same show, but I just, it's the only time of year we get to play it. So uh, thanks again, Sean Madigan, for that uh, bumper that, that I truly adore. Uh, all right. So uh, neither Zelda nor Mario made my top five. Yeah. Uh, I Holy know that's, that's a bad thing. I really, really wrestled with that. I really almost put Odyssey instead of Mario plus Rabbids. But since it was a toss-up and I figured one, one of you would have Odyssey on your list and we'd get to talk about it anyway, I just wanted to surface Mario plus Rabbids. And I actually think I may have enjoyed Mario plus Rabbids more. I really think I so. Say, you know we have a section of this show where we talk about games we want to surface. Yeah, but- I know. But I knew you... I, but it's games that want to serve as that nobody else is going to bring sure. up, and I knew you guys. Mar- would. To be fair, Mario Plus Rabbids was on my list of games to bring up if nobody talked about it. Oh, good. Um, so it's so good. It's so I, good. I enjoyed. I I had a great time with it. It's 
It's super surprising. I streamed it and I had a lot of people come in that are going to be representative of, I think, certain gamers who are just going to look at it and go, this isn't Mario, but it's, yeah, it's not Mario, but it's, it's a fun game. Yeah. It's not a me. It's not a Mario. (laughs) And I think that Odyssey was probably number six then, you know, like it it is really close. And I think Zelda was in my top 10 somewhere as well, but I got number um, 20. No, I mean Zelda. I love it. I, I want to top ten somewhere, yeah. like around like number fifteen. Um, anyway, are there any other? Well, well, we'll get to the our top five games that we want to, uh, you know, bring up. But I want to I want to talk a couple of other um, uh, categories that I think are just fun, silly categories. Like, for example, what is your biggest disappointment of the year? Do you guys have a biggest disappointment? I can go if no one else has anything yeah. ready. I, I did a, I was on the three bit gaming podcast. So you can hear some other of like my Razzies, but I, I thought of it for this. Um, and it, it's still true. Uh, one, two switch. I I'm <laughs> really, yeah, I, I'm cause I think Wii sports was so great. I think even Nintendo land did a lot of good things for the Wii U. And I think I understand keeping costs down or whatever, but that it wasn't bundled, that it was a full price game. The mini games didn't have any really real staying power. And I think to your point, Jeff, that Nintendo or whomever, they didn't figure out all the other features of the Switch, like becoming selling points for doing all the zany and different things with it. Like if anyone was, it would have been Nintendo in one, two Switch or in that style of game. And I feel like even they were kind of like, you can eat a sandwich. You're milking a cow. Isn't that fun? And just like, it fell flat. I don't think it holds even as a party game holding people's attention, but I love the concept of it. And I think Nintendo's done such good jobs, good jobs, good job with those types of games, even going, you know, looking at WarioWare back in the day that I think one, two switch tries to kind of emulate the look and feel of in some respects. And the fact that it was such a big miss when everything else Nintendo touched was pure gold. Um, yeah, I was disappointed. I, I really wanted to love it. And I feel like it was just hot garbage. I feel like you made fun of it from the moment it was announced. Yeah, um, from what they showed it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a disappointment. It was announced in 2017. It came out in 2017. It disappointed me in 2017. Fair enough. Sure. Uh, Anthony, do you have a biggest disappointment? Uh, my biggest disappointment is Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. I thought you I thought were going to say Destiny, Destiny too. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys were going to think I was going to say Destiny. I... I really enjoyed playing Friday the 13th, but that game servers were broken on so many levels. And so it was a game that was literally working against me. It was like, let me love you. Let me love you. (laughs) And it was like, I I can't let like it. it, Don't you know that in the Friday the 13th universe, the first mistake you make is loving someone. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But I, it's just, it's, it may have been, you know, how I played it. I played it with, with one of my friends, uh, played it as a stream game, but I had so much fun. It's, it's, I think the superior game to Dead by Daylight because it's goofier. It's not as competitive and you just do silly stuff. And I just there are so many things about it that I enjoyed. I just like when, you know, Jason would come out of nowhere and all that stuff. And then they were not anticipating this, you know, turnout. And so you could not fill up a lobby. There were days where you just couldn't play a game. So it was like it was a game that I actually liked playing and really enjoyed and had a good experience with. I just couldn't have it when I wanted to. Were you uh, on and that's PS4? why it was a discipline. I was on PS4, yes. Yeah, her PC was bad uh as well, well PC- but I've heard PS4 was atrocious. Yeah, PC uh was a better, I think 
partially because it was easier to put together like public lobbies just because there was an easier way to, you know, like tab into a, you know, some sort of community and put a group together and PS4 was harder. But yeah, I just, I really wanted to spend more time playing that game and I did spend a decent amount of time, but it's just like, it's a $30 game there. There's, it's so, you know, small on content. And then to just have the developers be like, yeah, sorry guys, we know there's a problem, but like, we're trying, but the that can only go so far. Yeah. That only lasts for for so far, for so long before people are just like, I, "Okay, I don't believe you." And at a certain point, I had to jump off of it. My biggest disappointment was Prey. Sure, uh, I and not because the game is bad; like it's not a bad game. It's just it had so much potential, and I think that it didn't live up to that for me. I said this before, but I will restate it. I think the game world of Prey and so much of what you do in that game world is trapped behind this feeling that they needed to give you something scary to shoot every 15 seconds. Hmm. And all of the potential... I mean, Prey could have been Lone Echo, (laughs) I think. It could have been tons of fun things to do inside this world, exploring things, figuring stuff out, solving puzzles, doing interesting. The world is so fascinating. The narrative is so fascinating. I didn't need to shoot something every 15 seconds. And I thought that just dragged the game down and made it a lot less fun and made me disappointed. So that's why it's my biggest disappointment. Yeah. Probably the best, uh, I would, or arguably the best, I don't know what, whatever, like 10, 15 minutes of a video game. And you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. And then, and then, then you're just shooting little goose spiders on the ground for another 20 hours. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, all right. Uh, a couple of other categories we'll get to real quick. Uh, what about biggest surprise of the year? I think Anthony, you already mentioned one that was a big surprise for you, but is there another big surprise? Um, I'm trying to think of what I, I would say that. Yeah. Nier was probably the biggest surprise for me to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I t- had no interest and, you know, people said, play it, play it and do get the endings. And I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then I was like, okay, I really like this game. Conversely, people said, play it, play it to persona five. I played like 30 hours of persona five and was like, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. this is not for me. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. Uh, my biggest surprise is Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, what a great uh, game. Because I had just tapped out on the whole Assassin's Creed franchise. And I, there was a little voice inside my head that was hopeful that because they took a year off, maybe they would come back with something awesome. And then I heard rumblings of like, you know, before it came out, people were like, Assassin's Creed Origins is the Witcher in the Assassin's Creed universe. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and it turned out to be exactly the case. And that's a game I'm still playing and still think about all the time. And like, Oh, I could get a few hours in on Assassin's Creed origins. It's Imagine so it goes on good. Switch. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised it isn't actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is beautiful. The world is enormous. There's fun stuff to do all over the place. And it just gets rid of all those trappings of the Assassin's Creed universe that I had gotten real tired of by this point. So it feels like a real fresh, take on on it and i hope its success bolsters that franchise and they continue in that direction yeah uh steven a river said mine in the chat it's PUBG. i spent a lot of hours over the past couple of days playing 1.0 release because of my it's arbitrary but all rules for 
how you rank things are arbitrary. But for me, I needed a, a, a release to consider it. This year, I'll probably throw that out the window and consider anything. It's like, hey, can I buy it and play it? I can consider it for my favorite of the year. Well, wait. So did you not consider PUBG even though it did hit a 1.0 before? No, we I started did. Recording? That's what I'm saying. I spent a lot of I, – I probably put in like eight hours since it went 1.0. I'm um, a little surprised it didn't make your top five. As am I. As am I. It's top 10. It's not top five because um, it's two maps. Even with 1.0, it's still janky. Like the mode is so incredible. And like that feeling it gives you um, it, it is is kind of unmatched in terms of like you go from boredom to the most intense, your hands are sweating moment of gameplay ever. But f- it still has enough problems getting into lobbies, getting a game started. I still get kicked even with 1.0. And there's just not quite enough there there for me right now i think it will go on more as a mode than necessarily like this current iteration of the game the desert map i don't think is that great i don't think the drops are that awesome um but i i I really enjoyed the game and it was for me it's the biggest surprise i mean right we came into 2017 looking at destiny 2 call of duty battlefront 2 um and here's this brand new shooter that began as a mod for this game i wasn't interested in that i play weekly with gpd now right like yeah. and it, it no one could have predicted what this game did it's, it's huge it's huge indeed great great pick uh how about mo um um most underrated game of the year you guys have one i have one if you if i if you guys want me to start um go for it i know that this is i think we'll get a little pushback on this but i we did a whole episode about it, and I think people thought we were maybe shilling for it. But I legit think one of the—I think the most underrated game of the year is Agents of Mayhem. I really do. I think that game is not bad at all. It is super underrated. People like threw it in the garbage, like it was terrible. And it's fun. It is fun. I mean, I didn't play it as much as I played Horizon Zero Dawn, but it is really an easy breezy fun experience that I thought was well made and did not deserve all of the crap that it got when it was released. Yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. I, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Cool. Uh, hard for most underrated. I feel like there were quite a few games that were underrated, but I'm good. This, this is hard because I think it was well rated. I think it won an award at game awards, if I remember correctly, but I don't think people are talking about it in top five game of the year conversation enough. And I think they should, and it's injustice too. Just oh, it didn't yeah. it didn't make my top five, but it's it. I think I talked about it when I started playing it again after I bought the complete edition or whatever. Like it's six. It's like it's six, and it's banging at the door. The more I play it, just for all it's, the things. I think it's it's like fighting games for some reason don't get talked about as games of the year. I don't know. I, mean, I think that for some reason they it's, don't. But I man, agree. Is it good? It's so good. It's so, and I think because people think fighting games, and to some level they do, it's like, well, it's competitive. It's how they view it. So you don't have the skill to do that. But like Destiny's competitive, but like it's a, sh- it's just a fighting game. Destiny's just a shooter, right? It's like, but what Injustice is, is this wrapper for this loot game. And again, as we talked about the other week, like what those style Diablo loot grind games are, like how they keep pulling you in and what they're trying to do. And I think Injustice 2 does so much of it so right. And the characters they've added, uh, over the course of the year have all been really cool, uh, really great additions. And um, yeah, like I, I think it's the best single player 
fighting game ever made and and what NetherRealm has done in terms of create and they've always been trying tinkering with things like that with like a cart mode or chess like battle chess and old mortal combats and like giving the single player non-tournament player a reason to keep playing a fighting game and i think with this game they nailed it i really yeah. really love injustice 2 i agree great great pick uh okay i have two um, one, I'm going to get so much hate for, so I'm just going to say it and then move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think Star Wars Battlefront 2 is that bad. Okay, keep uh, going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay. I, I like playing the <laughs> multiplayer. Um, I, it's, we're still talking about it. Move on, move it's, on, move on. It's, it's pretty. That's for sure. Yeah. I actually like playing it, but I, I would say the, the more yeah, underrated. Carmina. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is better than Destiny 2 confirmed. Uh, well, no, no, no. Don't on record. Don't start, don't start with that. On but, record um, as saying. I do I do, you know, enjoy playing it. If it had come out under different circumstances, I might have been more excited. Anyway, we should also announce that Anthony was just hired as community manager for Dice. So, congrats <laughs> on that job and uh, everything that comes with it. Uh, sure. Well, I, I think there are plenty of people out there that agree with me that are like, I like playing this game, but it, it's not cool to like this game. Similar to Call of Duty. Um, That's true. But I would say the 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 underrated game, which was is strange to me considering it, you know, its predecessor actually won awards. But I think Shadow of War is underrated. Interesting. I, I, don't I think, think Christian will take offense to that, right? I would take offense to it. Didn't it click? I, I think they they moved away from what I think made the first game so compelling. Sure. I don't think they added too much. So I was like base building. And I was like, I just want more of the same. I want shadow of war two. I don't, I'm shadow of Mordor two. I didn't need this, all this other stuff they did. I thought, uh, diluted the, the experience I had with the first game, but I, I agree. It's probably very underrated. Cause I think a lot of people have probably spent a yeah. lot of time playing that I game mean, this year. We're talking about for a lot of publications and whatever, it was a game of the year winner, uh, nominee. Uh, so yeah. a follow up to that, that is just, you know, it's, it's getting, I think it's getting swept aside by, you know, all these high profile games. And I, you know, uh, to me personally, subjectively, you know, it's I think that the the other games are better, but I am surprised that it's not in more conversations because it is, you know, very familiar to the last game. And it's strange that all of a sudden I kind of had that feeling, too, but I still enjoyed it that like it's it is the same game. So why aren't why aren't people loving it as much? I think both of your most underrated games fell for the same problem, which is the loot box controversy. Yeah, that's, that is a, that is a good point for sure. Yeah. All right. If there's, unless there's any other categories that you guys wanted to bring up, um, did, were there any others that you wanted to throw in here? I think we're good. Okay. Uh, I also have to pack tonight. So like, you know, Oh, let's get, no, I don't want to deprive our audience, but I think, I think we're good. Let's move through our top five, uh, whatever you want to call them, dark horses, diamonds in the rough games that aren't our six through 10, but, we would love to mention again before the end of the year, deserve another mention. We won't step through these like we did the five. Just, you can just say all five of your games and we'll have a short discussion and then move on. Uh, Anthony, you can start with your five uh, games close to your heart. Okay. Uh, close, close to my heart. Um, I, uh, there's a game called the sexy brutal. That's like pretty mm. good. Uh, little nightmares, cool platformer uh, mm-hmm. getting over it. Uh, probably the most frustrating game of the year, but also very satisfying. Uh, Hollow Knight, really cool. Yeah, yeah. A lot uh, of people have been talking about that platformer. game. Yeah. And my final one is Neo, uh, kind of like right. a, yeah. 
Ninja Gaiden, Dark Soulsy game. So say all, say all five of those okay, again. So real quick. Neo, Hollow Knight, Getting Over It, The Sexy Brutal, and Little Nightmares. Awesome. I think I've played one of those. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's awesome. I that's, think you I'm would fun. really like Sexy Brutal. It's, Everybody keeps telling me that. It's made by somebody that made something else this year, right? Uh, yes, they made – oh, man. What is the game – I'd have to Google it. I, I was like, oh, I didn't know those guys made that. They and made, I don't remember it, what they it made was. another game this year, and I cannot think of it. Yeah. So like, I'm sure the chat, the chat will save us. Uh, Christian, what is your five games close to your heart? Observer, which we talked about on mm, this show. Right. Um, I love that aesthetic, and it got me playing a horror game in a way that only Resident Evil's had before, right? Where it pulled me into the world of the cyberpunk aesthetic, and I thought what it did was really cool. Observer. Um, I heard it had performance issues on console. I ran it pretty well on PC. I really enjoyed it. Golf Story, I think if this was a Nintendo game, I think it would have been game of the year material for a lot of other people. Like had it what if it was Mario Golf? Like it just it if you love Mario Golf Advanced, like what Golf Story does, it's so it's so good. It's so very good. You mentioned it already, Assassin's Creed Origins. I do think it's worth mentioning here as a game that more people should talk about. It came out on one of the worst days of video game history and <laughs> or best depending on your point of view cor- the worst day for it to come out <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's a triumph and it, it's absolutely incredible if you overlooked it i r- pick it up it's, it's really really good um another game that came out the same day wolfenstein 2 mm. it's it's combat i think is not great but it it has a point of view and it commits to telling its story in such an awesome and refreshing way. And while it might not resonate for everybody, it goes for it. It swings for the fences and I think it gets it more than it doesn't. And the issues it handles with um, the way it does and the way it's able to do so many things that other games would mess up one of them. Uh, I think people should play Wolfenstein to play it on easy. And then Sonic mania, we got a great Sonic game guys like the Sonic cycle. It, it bit us in the butt again with Sonic Rush just being absolute crap. But Sonic Mania is so, 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 so good. And you can play it on your Switch. So pick it up. It's so good. Yeah, great, great list. Um, my five, uh, close to my heart. I feel like if these games came out just in an alternate universe where these are the only games that came out, I would be like, this is an amazing year of video games. And yet <laughs> completely <laughs> overshadowed. Probably wouldn't. It's it's an amazing year. It's an amazing year. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Dead Cells, which is an incredible pixel-esque sort of – it's sort of in the same place my heart that Rogue Legacy lived uh, all you know when that game came out. But Dead Cells I think is even prettier and deeper and really, really cool. Uh, Hand of Fate 2. I loved the first Hand of Fate. Hand of Fate 2, I hope people aren't overlooking it. It's a cool mashup between like a tabletop game and – a really cool third person action game like Batman Arkham city hand of fate two should be played by more people. It's awesome. Hob. I know I keep talking about hob Buy hob play hob. If you like Zelda old school Zelda games, hob has an incredible take on Zelda. It is a gorgeous aesthetic. It is a fun game. It's clever. It expresses its story without a, 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 just a single, written piece of text it's 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 an amazing game and it's sad that it brought down a studio because nobody bought it battle chasers night war which i absolutely loved this year uh turn-based japanese style role-playing game but done by a western studio in a very western way 
uh, awesome art again, a combat system that it just never gets old, only gets more and more interesting to me. I could just do that combat system over and over and over again, as you do in the game. And it, it just, it, it's constantly giving you interesting decisions to make. I love battle chasers night war. And then uh, a game I, you guys have heard me talk about over and over and over again. Also Dino frontier. I know it's a VR exclusive, but it is uh, truly delightful. It's a game that has soul, which is a, a unique thing to, to say for a video game. Most games don't, I think. Uh, Dino Frontier is a delight. It's a uh, real-time strategy game that you play with your hands, and you get to make uh, people ride dinosaurs and cultivate dinosaurs and do physical things with your hands to manipulate a real-time strategy game. I the fact that more people don't talk about the game is a crime. And the fact that it's not out on Oculus or Vive is a crime. I'm sure Sony has some exclusivity with it. I hope that expires soon and we can see it on the rest of the VR platforms because it deserves that. I also, I, I know that's five, but I wish it just happened right at the end of the year. But I think Gora Goa uh, is going to continue to be very special for me as I continue to play through it. So don't sleep on Gora Goa either. Uh, that is a great, great game that you can actually play on iOS or switch for that matter. So guys, that is it. That's our 2017 look back. How do you guys feel? How do you feel Anthony about, uh, about what we've said? Uh, I mean, this was, <laughs> this was an odd year in the sense of, I expected Zelda to blow me away and Zelda blew me away. And I expected destiny Two to be my game that I play into the new year. And it's not. So <laughs> yeah, wow. You know, it's uh, I every, some everybody's gonna yes, some no. Yeah, everybody's gonna be saying this on probably any podcast or any end of the year thing. This was an insane year for games, uh, in in many different ways, and um, in, in different years, some of the games that I think you know didn't make our our top fives would be number one. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, if but they they had some stiff competition for sure. It speaks to how great a year it was that we had so little crossover on our top fives and that our, you know, our other five games were so eclectic and interesting and so many great experiences this year. I mean, really, we're in a golden age of video gaming for sure. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and also I love my Switch. I don't know if you guys noticed. Zelda, Mario Odyssey, Golf Story, Sonic Mania I'm playing on Switch. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, my daughter and I have logged hours in that game. Uh, Floor Kids, Zen Pinball. Uh, I, 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 I carry it with me everywhere, and it's... I was with I was at the comedy store and Mike Lawrence was there, and he had like his in his front pocket of his sweatshirt, and he was like, oh, like went up and said hi and he's like oh sorry i got my switch uh i know and i'm like dude i got my switch what are we gonna play <laughs> it's like it's it's uh what a triumph what what a year what yeah. it what, what a year, year. knowing yeah. you christian and and having even just the slightest experience of your your comedy grind i could have predicted the switch was gonna be your best friend it just it was perfect <laughs> for you, you know it's it's what uh, it's what I wanted the Vita to be. It's a portable console that has a full control scheme, right? And it's yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how next year shapes up for you, 
Anthony, as the guy who's played every game that came out, uh, because you're you're going to be a dad it's next true. year, right? Yes, next year, um, everything will change. Everything will. <laughs> it's true. Everything will change, except nothing will probably change because I don't sleep at night already. So it's like, oh, that's convenient. It's uh, also that's good yeah. planning ahead. <laughs> I, yeah, I, we'll we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I I tried to squeeze every game I could out of this year, um, knowing that. There are a lot of games next year that I really want to play that, you know, maybe I are going to be harder to play. There's some crazy games coming out next year that I, uh, yeah, I hope Let I me just can devote as much time to say this. You guys have some life events next year. So do I, my youngest is starting preschool in January. So I will be the guy. Yeah. You pick up that slack. Play. Yeah. I, I have a feeling I, I might have other things that will dominate all of my time. Unfortunately, I'll be the guy. Uh, well, it has been an awesome 2017 here on the podcast next week. It'll just be Christian and myself. We'll be looking back and doing our state of the show as well as looking forward and giving predictions on 2018 and talking about all the games that we know about and what we're hoping for, uh, over the next calendar year. So definitely stay tuned for that. But I do want to say, especially because this episode that you're listening to, will be coming out. We're, we're here in the past, but when you're listening to us, it will be Christmas day or later, depending on when you download it. So I hope you have had a wonderful holiday, whichever holiday you celebrate. And I really appreciate you listening to us at any point this year, whether uh, you just came to us recently, or you've been listening throughout 2017. Thank you very much for spending your time with us and downloading the show. It means a lot to us. And Anthony Taramina, thank you for always being our go-to guy. And thank you for being here tonight. It's It's been fun as always. Yeah, it was uh, great for having me. And I want to say thank you to uh, all the readers that have reached out to me on Twitter or wherever. And, you know, we've had discussions, good or bad. And, you know, you said, oh, I disagree or I agree with you. Um, you guys are awesome. Uh, it's, it's good to feel, uh, you know, even a slight part of the community that it uh, represents DLC. It's fun. Very cool. Tell folks where they can see your work on the internet and keep up with you. Uh, well, I'm editor-in-chief of GameRant.com, so you can see a lot of the things I write about. I'm being very critical of Destiny lately, so if you are um, you know, if you know, are on that bandwagon, you can hear me voice my own thoughts. But um, I, I read a, a lot of different content there as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash AntTormina, which is spelled A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Uh, and I stream pretty regularly, pretty much every night uh, on GameRant's Facebook page, which is just Facebook.com slash GameRant. Christian, buddy, it's been a good year. Um, where can people keep up with you? I know not on the social medias, at least not until February, right? Well, you can, and you're welcome to follow me on Twitter. It's at Spicer. Instagram is Christian underscore Spicer, but I am taking a, a social media break until, um, February, 2018, but you can still go there. And all, I, on those, I have links. Email me if you want to talk to me. I'd love, I've had a couple of great emails and Christian.spicer at gmail.com is a great one to use. Just put something in the subject line. So Christian, so, you, you thought that social out. media took too much of your life up. So you thought, let's do a, a long form discussion with the <laughs> people where they can write entire emails at you now. I would love, I would love to uh, be buried under thoughtful, long form emails from people. Yes. I, I, that, that, that sounds great to me. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. Okay. Uh, honestly, um, I do a parenting podcast called department of parenting. You can find that at department of for all the links on that. 
in at least 20 more minutes. Um, uh, my friend since high school, Jeff Wood, who's on Twitter at the Overhead Wire, uh, we did a 40 minute spoiler discussion on The Last Jedi and, and we both love it. Spoiler to that conversation. But you can find that at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. And then, um, I think that's probably good, man. Just, you know, reach out, keep in touch. Let's have fun. And here's to, here's to a better 2018 for every, I hope 2017 was great. And let's, let's make it even, let's make 2018 even better, right? Let's, we can do it. Let's do it. I think we should. Uh, You have lots of other ways to see and hear me, should you so desire, uh, including my new Hulu show. If you have Hulu, why not give it a shot? It's uh, all about esports and it's called Defining Moments. It's actually called ESL Defining Moments. Uh, but you can search for defining moments on Hulu and I'll, my large smiling face will pop up. Um, I've been getting such great feedback and I appreciate everybody who listens to the show. If you check it out, if you check out defining moments, please send me a tweet. I'm at Jeff Kanata. I'd love to know what you think of it. Um, I think it's pretty darn good and I'm hoping we get a chance to make more. So if you get a chance to see it, uh, it would definitely help that endeavor. So that's called defining moments. It's on Hulu. It's all about eSports. I keep thinking it's English as a second language. It's uh, not. Me too. It I know. in English. It's not you it's teaching someone Spanish or English. It's, and Defining it's Moments also doesn't sound like it wouldn't necessarily be. <laughs> like it doesn't betray that thought. It just, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, a moment you defined uh, in a second language. Okay, I get it. No, it's uh, eSports right. League. It's good. Watch it. It's really well done. It's really cool. It's like 30 for 30. I think you've said that a yeah. bunch, but just to reinforce it, it's uh, it's compelling. It's compelling, especially if you love games. Thanks. You can also listen to me talk about games every single day, and I'm not taking a day off for the holidays. No, no. Over on Newest, Latest, Best, which is a podcast I do every single day. It's uh, only 10 minutes. Keeps you up to date. Right now, we're getting lots of listeners calling in with their top games of the year. We're doing top threes. And one of the games has to be a game you think nobody else is going to talk about. And it's been a blast. It's been a blast. We're going to do that throughout the end of the year. Lots of people sending in their call-ins. So check that out. You can find that anywhere you get uh, podcasts at, uh, or at uh, anchor.fm slash NLB for newest, latest, best. Uh, A new slash film cast just went up with two more hours talking about Star Wars. So that's four hours of Star Wars talk that we've had on the, the slash film cast. You can listen to those as well. And we have concerns at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, all right, guys. That's it. This is our last episode of 2017. As I said, we'll be back, I think, scheduled for the f- very first day of January of 2018, a, a brand new tomorrow. Uh, but until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.